You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens. Hosted by Rick Stevens with Amy Johnson and Chris G. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged and entertained, of course. Uh, My name is Amy Johnson. I'll be your host for the next hour on episode 160 of the Canadians Connection podcast. Uh, I should mention also that we are a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. So thanks to those fine folks as well. Uh, But I'm pleased to be joined here in the studio by my co-host, who also happens to be our editor-in-chief and founder and president of Rocket Sports. And he is the one and only Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing today? I'm doing, I'm wonderful. Great. Really? Tremendous. Are you sure? I'm, I'm positive. <laughs> Listen, it's, it's, it's a Saturday in late October, uh-huh. uh, Saturday night at the Bell Center. Yeah. There's the Montreal Canadiens playing hockey. What could be better? They're, the Montreal Canadiens hosting an original six team at the Bell Center tonight. Mm. So um, what could yeah. be better? Well, the record could there's be better. Few, there's, uh, do you, how much time do we have? <laughs> I mean, it would be better if Buffalo wasn't second in the division, um, at top 10 in, in, in the National Hockey League. Uh, San Jose Sharks are undefeated. Yeah, D- Detroit coming in tonight, third in the division. That, and we won't mention that the Montreal Canadiens are um, 32nd. They're, they're the, first, the first team in the NHL to be 32nd. That, there you go. Yeah. Look at that. They, setting they records set, already. Yeah, setting records all over the place. Making the history books early in the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's never uh, happened in their 100 and <laughs> however many years of history. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, um, <clears throat> yeah, we're going to talk about all that today because uh, it's been a week. It has. <laughs> it has been a week. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, the, the, the highlights of the week with the the three games that have taken place since the last time uh, we all gathered here on the Canadians Connection uh, and also get you an update on the roster, the injury report update, some roster moving um, things of that nature. We're also, we've got a uh, Habs prospect b- report for you. Talk a little bit about the Laval rocket. Cause Hey, guess what? They're not doing as badly as the parent club. Uh, so we've got some, some updates for that. Uh, 
for you, as well as uh, some prospect news there. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit. I mean, it's it's I'm not even going to call it the elephant in the room. It is what it is. There's uh, there was uh, there was a game against the Carolina Hurricanes on Thursday night, and there's a whole lot to unpack about that. We're going to talk about that uh, and and this kind of new rivalry that the the Canadians now find themselves in the midst of. Uh, And of course, uh, we're going to round out that first segment with some general NHL news and notes before we head to our second segment, which is the big topic. We're calling it this week, who's guiding the ship? Um, We're going to talk in depth about where the leadership is not coming from, uh, where the leadership for this team that finds itself so far off course over the first five games of this season, uh, where the leadership you would you would naturally look for the leadership to come from to to pull things together, uh, and where the holes are and how that's not happening, and generally just how that's affecting this team and its ability uh, to get in the wing column. So we're going to take a very deep look at that. Listen to some audio from uh, a bunch of uh, people, GM, the head coach, some players, uh, all kind of revolving around this theme of of getting the leadership to unite the team and get things back on track. Uh, And then in our third segment, uh, not only are we going to get you caught up on things you might have missed uh, on allhabs.net over the course of the past week, but we've also got a special guest, uh, another podcast host within the Hockey Podcast Network. He's uh, the host of the Devil's State of Mind podcast, uh, Neil Villapiano. He's going to be joining with us uh, to talk about a book he's recently written about how just awful it can be at times to be a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Uh, and you know, when you're going through your own struggles, <laughs> right. why not look at the misery of another team? And, you know? and that's what Neil's here to do with us. That's right. So so Rick sat down with Neil uh, earlier this week, and, and we're going we're gonna to hear from him uh, before we get you all set for uh, the next games on the Canadian slate and send you on your way to knock on wood maybe celebrate their first win of the season let's well fingers crossed we'll see so we've got a lot to talk about don't forget this is an interactive podcast you can text us at any time uh via the rocket sports text line which is 5853 rocket and of course make sure you're following at habs connection on twitter facebook and instagram or you can just visit our website canadiansconnection.com and make sure you're subscribed that's the that's the key thing make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so, Rick, it was um, it was a week filled with, I would say, hope going into each game that was then quickly dashed at the end of each game. But every every I think that was the one common feeling other than the anger, the frustration, the disappointment, the sadness is that every, every at the start of every game this week, fans were hopeful. OK, maybe this is going to be the night that they finally get a win and we can get this season underway. But it unfortunately didn't work out that way. Uh, of course, they were 0-2 coming into their home opener uh, last Saturday night where they hosted the New York Rangers. Um had you know traditional kind of Montreal Canadiens esque uh, opening ceremony. Jeff Molson spoke for a half a second. Uh, fan, you know, lots of speeches, that kind of thing. Introduced everyone. Uh, appreciated that they also uh, still introduced 
guys who are not currently with the team, like Carrie Price, uh, who had an enormous ovation, uh, loudest ovation of the night by far, chance of Carrie, 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 it was tremendous. Um, uh, plenty of criticism out there that this wasn't the best Montreal Canadiens uh, home opener production, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which was a little unlike them. Uh, but as it was a, a, a nice feel good, you know, first time at least home opener with full building fans packed into the Bell Center. Uh, but they did drop that one to the Rangers three to one. Uh, then, OK, the hope returned. All right. Well, the San Jose Sharks are coming to town on Tuesday night. San Jose is projected to be in the bottom of the league this year. Uh, not expected to be a good team. This will be the one that gets the Montreal Canadiens on track or uh, Aiden Hill can get a shutout. It could go that way as well, yeah. which is exactly what happened. Uh, San Jose trouncing the Canadians 5 nothing, Complete failure from top to bottom. Terrible effort. Uh, it was just an absolute dismal performance. Uh, getting blanked by the Sharks 5 to nothing. So then all of that, you're now 0-4 to start the season. That brings you to Thursday. And that's the one everyone's had marked on the calendar since August because the Hurricanes were coming to town, which means it was Yusperi Kakanyemi's first visit back to the Bell Center. Lots of hype, lots of attention uh, surrounding this game. Admittedly, better effort in some areas uh, co- collectively, uh, Gallagher actually had a goal that okay, things are things are looking great. It got called back uh, because apparently Gallagher's butt was in the blue paint a it little was. too much, it which it was. Yeah. Uh, and Freddie Anderson made some ridiculous. Freddie Anderson stood in his head. He made some really significant saves, uh, and uh, to put the icing on the cake, uh, Kakinyemi got his first goal of the season against his former team. Sebastian Ajo chipped in with two goals and an assist of his own. Uh, and uh, can't can't deny the fact that they did get a goal out of Tyler Toffoli, his first of the season, but they did drop that one 4-1. to one. So, Rick, that leaves the Canadians' regular season record 0-5-0 to start the season. That's coming off of a preseason that was equally not impressive so if you're even if you're looking at like a collective 10 game span they've won like eight i'm sorry they've won two games of their last 10 two games in the in the last 11 11 okay let's make it even worse all right two games in their last 11 uh if you're counting the preseason as well so not an ideal start for the montreal canadians or their fans and and yes um you know we hear Folks, and and certainly on on our Facebook page, all ha- uh, facebook.com slash allhabs, lots of fans chiming in there, and they were chiming in in, in the preseason, saying, oh, "Listen, uh, don't worry about it. Points, th- these points don't count. As soon as the regular season begins, they'll flip the switch. Uh, the the switch didn't get flipped. Um, There's a short somewhere. <laughs> you know. Oh well, we we started on the road. Um, uh, just wait till we get home. Well, that that didn't happen either. Uh, our power play struggling. Just wait till we get Mike Hoffman in the lineup. Well, that hasn't made a whole lot of difference. Yeah, so, um, there 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 it it has been uh, a problem of effort. It has been a problem of uh, kind of the Canadians looking very disjointed, lack of cohesion, lack of being in sync. You know, you said there was an improved effort. Uh, the the game that where the Canadians showed their most intensity uh, against the Carolina Hurricanes. It was a very emotionally charged game, uh, a lot of emotion in the in the building. But even in that one, um, you know, they they struggled. 
they got off to a poor start. One high danger scoring chance in in the first period. Uh, it ramped up after that, but um, it, they they haven't yet put together uh, 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 an effort where all the lines are clicking, where where they're playing a full 60-minute game. Uh, nowhere even close to that. No, and they don't seem to have a solution for it. Uh, and we're going to talk about that, as we said. Uh, we're going to talk about that extensively later on in the show, uh, starting first and foremost with where are they going to get the leadership from with Shea, uh, Shea Weber and Carey Price out. Um, you know, we know that there is a new leadership core that's in place for this season, uh, and is that going to be sufficient to get them out of this hole that they dug themselves into? That's coming up in a little bit. Uh, first, we should give you an update, though, on the roster. Uh, of course, as a reminder, the injury list in no particular order. Um, Paul Byron expected back probably not till the end of December. Shea Weber, uh, he, uh, of course, is not with the team uh, this season, likely not to play. Um, in fact, Mark Bergevin called it this week, quote, a long shot for him to play at all ever again, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, Matthias Norlander still rehabbing Josh Brook and Joel Teasdale still rehabbing Carey Price, of course, out, uh, out uh, for an indeterminate amount of time as well. The interesting one really is Joel Edmondson. Joel Edmondson had been uh, sidelined with an undisclosed injury for, for a bit of time. Uh, and, and I guess was hoping to be back soon. Uh, but in Mark Bergevin's impromptu press conference that he held this week, uh, it came out that Edmondson has now left the team for a, a, a an unknown period of time to be with his father. Uh, his dad, uh, it came out last year in 2020 that he's battling lung cancer and apparently things aren't going well uh, in that front. And so understandably, Mark Bergevin said, go be with your dad, be with your family, uh, and uh, we'll we'll see you when you're able to come back. So Rick, it's a it's another big hit for the Canadians, uh, particularly on a back end that's struggling um, without the the presence of its captain uh, for Joel Edmondson now to to we the big question mark as to when he's actually going to be able to join the team. Yeah, there is no uh, time period on that. Uh, Mark Bergevin said to Joel Edmondson, "Take all the time you need. Family comes first. Uh, so uh, we he's in Manitoba. Uh, with his family, and uh, we we don't know when he'll be back. And uh, even um, you know, as as that situation resolves itself, is Joel Edmondson when when he returns to Montreal going to be on the ice? Because he still has that uh, unspecified injury uh, that was get was we saw as it went through training camp. It, it would get better. He'd get on the ice, then he'd have a setback, and. Um, so we don't know, uh, th- there's, there's a, a two problems there. Uh, so we don't know when to expect, uh, Joel Edmondson in the lineup. Unfortunately, but thoughts are with he and his family and his dad, uh, hopefully it's a good thing that they're all together. Of course, I agree with Mark Bergevin, the family comes first and, uh, hoping all is well with them. Uh, one piece of roster movement, um, on Monday, the Canadians uh, put Alex Belzeal on waivers with the purpose of sending him down to the Laval Rocket. Uh, no one, of course, claimed him, so he was assigned to Laval, so he is off the NHL roster. Uh, that, of course, cleared way for Mike Hoffman, uh, who finally 
No one expected Mike Hoffman to not be able to start the season due to injury, but that's what happened. Uh, So Mike Hoffman was ready to play. He and Adam Brooks both made their Canadians debuts uh, in the past week. And, um, well... They made their debuts. Yeah, that's about all I have to say about that. They were in the lineup. Uh, You know, not much... There just wasn't much there. It's hard to evaluate when the whole team is not playing well. Um, Mike, Mike Hoff- Hoff- yeah, he came in in that five nothing game for San Jose, so uh, it was tough to to um, you know expect one guy to kind of turn things around, and and uh, it just didn't happen. Um, and uh, but he'll be expected to contribute. Remember, he's not uh, not going to contribute five on five. He's going to be a in fact, a liability five on five, but where he is there to, to help out is on the power play. Um, and uh, we know that that uh, of his his NHL goals, about 30% of his goals come on the power play. So uh, that's where he'll need to have an impact and the Canadians desperately need their, their power play. Desperately. Desperately. <laughs> uh, so we will see if, uh, if he's able to start... Um kind of getting settled in and finding the chemistry that he needs to start being productive there. Uh, Essentially, uh, Dom Ducharme is at the stage now that they're 0-5, and and frankly, after they went 0-4 after Tuesday night, uh, we're in line blender stage at practice and in games. Um, Shuffled the lines all around. Uh, Gallagher uh, is now up playing with Suzuki. Uh, as well as Anderson. Um, Cole Caulfield is down on the third line. Um, the, the second line is really the only one that hasn't changed, the De- uh, Dvorak-Duran uh, line. Um, defensive pairings are, I, it's like, I think you put it best uh, the other day, Rick, when you said it's like they put the defenseman's names in a hat and he just pulled them out in a, specific order um it's there's been a lot of different looks and nothing's really clicked so far yeah they it's it's lined uh, line and defensive pairing shuffling and and uh he's other than as you said that second line centered by uh the christian dvorak um everything's changed uh, on almost a game-to-game basis and again, we're going to see uh, against Detroit, as we record this Saturday afternoon, uh, we're going to see against Detroit, uh, Sherrod and Petrie on the top pairing. Uh, Sammy Niku is is expected to get his uh, first action uh, uh, in a Canadian's jersey beside Brett Kulak on the second pairing. Mm. Uh, that that puts uh, David Savard on the third pairing, which is probably uh, more well suited to him. And we actually talked about uh, Savard and uh, the kind of role that he had beside Mikhail Sergachev, and how it would be interesting to see if if he would end up beside uh, Alexander Romanov. He had he will tonight. That's where he'll be on the third pairing r- with Romanov. Uh, but the thing is that that flies in the face of the, f- the fact that uh, both Ducharme and uh, Bergevin have been saying uh, they want Savard to eat big minutes, the, the minutes that were given up by uh, Shea Weber. And um, it's, it's just clear that 
it's not he's not at the stage either in his career or with his adjustment to this uh, the new defensive system uh, that that appears to be uh, confusing him. He's not ready to to take on uh, the big minutes uh, for the Canadians right now. So he'll be on the third pairing. We will see. Is this the right combination? Is this the one that's going to work? Uh, all we can do is... should say also that puts Chris Weidman out of the lineup. It and does. Chris Weidman, uh, again, uh, as far as the power play, he was supposed to uh, come in and be the power play quarterback for the second uh, uh, wave of the power play, the second unit. Uh, so they won't have him uh, tonight against Detroit. We'll see if this is the combination that helps get things going. Uh, only time will tell. Uh, right now, however, it is time for a Habs Prospect Report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. The Laval Rocket, of course, were in action twice uh, since last week's show. Uh, of course, we uh, they had a we had mentioned. Uh, a, well, Chris G was on the show with you uh, last Saturday, and he was able to report from being at Place Bell for the season and home opener last Friday night. A tremendous win by by Laval in front of a packed Place Bell. Uh, then they they finished up the second half of that home and home by traveling to Belleville to play the Senators again uh, last Saturday night. And eh, things did not go as well as they did on the opener. In fact, Belleville kind of flipped the script on them and did exactly to them what Laval had done to the Senators the night before. Uh, Belleville put up four goals in the second period, uh, ended up beating Laval five to two. Um, then the Laval Rocket hosted the Manitoba Moose this past Wednesday, got back in the wing column again. It was a very exciting game, uh, high scoring. Laval won at five to four, uh, and it was it was tight. Manitoba tried to make a, a push to to come back uh, in the third period, but. Um, the, the Rocket were able to hold them off. Alex Belzeal, who had been sent down, of course, uh, making an impact with a goal and an assist that night. Uh, if you want full analysis and post-game audio and all of that good stuff uh, about how the Laval Rocket has looked this past week, definitely recommend that you go listen to our sister podcast, The Press Zone Montreal, uh, on this past week's um show uh, that came out on Tuesday. We break down completely that Saturday night loss uh, against Belleville. And this coming Tuesday on the next episode, we'll have uh, some some information about not only uh, that win against Manitoba at home on Wednesday, but uh, also the two games that Laval will be playing this weekend. They head on their, they're on their first road trip south of the border into the States since early 2020. Uh, so they will be playing in Providence against the Providence Bruins uh, on Saturday night, and then uh, an afternoon game in Bridgeport against the Bridgeport Islanders uh, to round out this first road trip uh, in the States for them. Providence sitting at 8th in the conference, Bridgeport at 14th, so good possibility that Laval comes home with a winning record after this road trip. Um, now, one thing, uh, Rick, Ryan Paling, that's the big question mark. We know uh, that was in that Belleville in the game against Belleville in Belleville on Saturday night, Brian Paling left that game in the first period. Uh, he went behind the net in a four-man battle for the puck against the the end boards. Uh, and Andrew Agazzino came in, uh, got into the scrum, and 
came down very sharply on the back of Ryan Paling's helmet with his elbow. Uh, Paling immediately went to the ice. Uh, Vedemo took over his spot uh, in the next couple of shifts before Paling headed to the dressing room, uh, and his night was over. Now, we haven't had an actual update from Coach Jean-Francois Uhl um, about his condition, whether or not he's been diagnosed with a concussion. Uh, we do know that he didn't play on Wednesday night, Rick, and uh, the word is that he did not travel with the team for this weekend. So for right now, uh, we don't know if it's day-to-day or week-to-week, but right now Ryan Paling is not available. We can speculate that it's concussion, and Ryan Paling has had uh, concussions before. Uh, we think back to the, the rookie camp, and it was Dryden Hunt, I believe, uh, that that put him into the boards a, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a tough situation um, because he he had a great start uh, in his first uh, AHL game, um, and uh, d- just a tough start for him. And and we look forward to him getting back in the lineup soon. Absolutely. Uh, so as we mentioned, uh, be sure you listen and subscribe to uh, that our sister podcast, the Press Zone Montreal, where we talk about all of Montreal's. Uh, Uh, prospects and their AHL affiliate, the Laval Rocket, in depth, uh, thanks to our credentialed team of reporters, uh, myself and Chris G uh, on that beat. And you can find all of that at AHLReport.com. That's the AHL Report. It's uh, it's another Rocket Sports publication where we focus on the AHL. So be sure you are subscribing and bookmarking and visit often. So, Rick, let's talk a little bit about that Thursday night game. You know, it was uh, the Hurricanes coming into town ever since the offer sheet happened back in August. This was a date circled on calendars for Yasperi Kotkaniemi to return to Montreal. Um, And we know what happened in the game. The game, you know, the game didn't go as the Canadians wanted it to go. Uh, What I think is almost, I want to say, fascinating, but kind of in a disappointing way, is just... Everything that's happening with that rivalry off the ice, whether it's reporters' questions or it's the way the fans are handling it or it's the way social media teams are handling there's a lot to unpack with this very young rivalry that we've got here. It's, um, yeah, and 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 listen, um, from... Uh, from we're objective journalists and, and, and we, we provide... Uh, here we provide uh, what what uh, we can decipher as the truth uh, in in as fair and objective way as we can. Um, saying that, I'm I'm you know from a very young age a, a Habs fan, and I want to see the Montreal Canadiens do well. I want to be proud of the Montreal Canadiens. I want them to be the the classy, um, you know storied uh, franchise uh, of of yesteryear and we're seeing something very very different and mm-hmm. and listen we can't compare the Carolina market to the Montreal market they're very very different uh, they have different uh, the teams uh, have different identities the marketing folks need to do different things um, but I, I I'm uh, each time as it went through uh, this week, I was disappointed. I was, I was embarrassed. I was ashamed uh, by the, the Canadians media, the Canadian, the Montreal media, uh, the legacy corporate media folks, uh, uh, the Montreal fans. Uh, um, it, we should be better than that. And, and so any, 
any disappointment it's or any criticism is is not us you know ragging on the Montreal Canadiens and praising the Carolina Hurricanes there's there we have no interest in that it's just wanting wanting them to be better and knowing they can be better um, the media uh, scrum that happened or or the media zoom call sorry that happened uh, on Wednesday uh, the game happened on Thursday with Carolina with yes Barry Kotkaniemi um, boy, yes, Barry Kotkaniemi, for a young guy who's been through a lot, uh, came out looking like, looking very classy, uh, very mature, uh, very professional. And the Montreal media, who uh, have been doing this a long time, uh, didn't look very good at all, uh, asking inappropriate questions. Uh, and yes, there are inappropriate questions mm-hmm. uh, when your question. Uh, makes up the 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 the, the uh, gender driven story that you're going to write already before the 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 interviewee even responds. And um, you know, one of the questions was, "Well, we can tell that you you would have been really mad if uh, the Canadians had matched your matched the uh, Carolinas' offer." It was it was it, it, and and credit to. Kakinami uh, for saying it was inappropriate. He said, "Actually, I think that's inappropriate." Um, the uh, stories that come out that talk about, well, um, forget what you've read, forget what you've heard. Um, that's all. It's all ridiculous to say that that they wanted the player. Uh, no, this was just all driven by the social media team to get some hype. Uh, that's the only reason they went after. I mean, this on what's supposed supposedly a, a, a legitimate corporate media site um, is is absolute trash. And, and the Canadians, the Montreal Canadians, the history of the Montreal Canadians, all of that can be better. It made those representing Montreal look, the word that came to my mind today was bitter. Yes. All week long. Well, I shouldn't even say all week, ever since August. The, the vibe that I get from those in the Montreal media, Montreal, Twitter, etc., is bitter, 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 bitter. Um, and I'm, it's just not the way to go. Like, at some, it's okay to be bitter. It's okay to be not happy about it. But at some point, you have to move on. And, and at some point, uh, as far as the media is concerned, you should maybe act like professionals. Uh, you know, we are supposed to be objective uh, journalists, not cheerleaders for any given sports team, um, and who just you know rah rah every decision they make or or pursue narratives to to bolster that. It's to be objective. It's to not be biased. And I was, uh, I agree. I was very disappointed in some of the questioning. I was uh, appalled at some of the narratives and storylines I was reading in articles from around Montreal this week. Um, many of them that contained things that were just flat out false. Um, and, and what I think what's disappointing and what makes me sad is that because those, those outlets have such a large platform and visibility, um, people trust what those outlets say as, as being, accurate 
Um, and so then that's that's where you get misinformation. You get, you know, and so maybe it's not so surprising then that fans at the Bell Center on Thursday booed the ever-loving crap out of Jusperi Kotkaniemi every time he touched the puck. And, and, and for the record, yes, he touched the puck more than a couple of times. There were those from uh, the Montreal Canadiens uh, sphere that went on social media and wanted to say, oh, you know, well, um, it seems the fans are booing every time Kotkaniemi touches the puck, but that's only been uh, uh, twice, so... Ha, 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 ha. That's not the case. Uh, they were trying to keep up with how many times they had to boo him. Um, the the terrible signs, uh, somebody with a sign up against the glass during warm-ups in the, in the Carolina end, waste of money. Um, and then the chanting. I mean, you can chant all you want, but the profanity coming out of the Bell, Fe- Bell Center uh, on Saturday night, um, you know, I can... I live outside of Philadelphia, so I know full well how the Philadelphia Flyers fans are perceived around the league, and they own it. They're fine with it. That's 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 how they identify as fans. They're they're good with that. Uh, but what that fan base hears from all of the other fan bases around the league is, you know, you should be classier. Well, that was not on display in the Bell Center on Thursday, that's for sure. And I was disappointed in that. Um, you know, it should. It should go both ways. So, Rick, it's um, it was it was it was hard to watch that game uh, and and listen to all of the press conferences leading up to it. It was it was it wasn't easy. The 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 signs and the chants just as as you said profane. They're vicious. Um, it was unseemly. It uh, the booing. Um, I I saw one. Um, journalist compared it to uh, said he it was it was the loudest booing uh, and most uh, consistent that they had ever heard and just more than uh, he kind of compared it to Zdeno Chera uh, after the Pacioretty incident. Zdeno Chera uh, broke Max Pacioretty's neck. What did, what did Jesperi Kotkaniemi do that was worse than that? Um, uh, he that, took a pay raise that any one of those fans would have taken <laughs> in a nanosecond. Um, it it's if you want to boo anybody, boo Mark Bergevin. Mark Bergevin mishand without without uh, any you know oh you're a Bergevin. Objectively, Mark Bergevin lost uh, lost two offer sheets. He failed on the first um, with a, a, a tepid offer, and the second uh, he allowed it to happen and then didn't match it. He lost. He lost two uh, offer sheets. If you want to look at uh, the player, um, there's no question that Yesberry Kakinami's development was mishandled. No question at all. And that, from a, 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 a GM who's who through his tenure. Uh, has mismanaged prospects. The, the team has mismanaged the prospects. Um, with Cole Caulfield being, you know, the the only first round prospect on the uh, on the roster that's that's left. Um, so what what in the world did uh, did he do to deserve this? Uh, I understand you you pay a lot of money to get in the Bell Center. You can do whatever you want, mm-hmm. um, but be intelligent about it. Um, and, and the, it certainly doesn't, um, 
you know, support the the notion around the league that the Canadians fans would like out there that they are the most knowledgeable, the most passionate, the most. They just looked uh, bitter and angry and and uh, and small. I will just kind of end this part of it with this. Mark Bergevin stated very plainly that Yasperi Kakanyemi and Nick Suzuki were going to be the two young centers that they were going to build this team around in for for future years. If that was the case, and if they meant that, then Mark Bergevin had plenty of time this summer to present an actual contract offer to Yasperi Kakanyemi that reflected that maybe something in between the three to four million dollar range, which would have been very doable, would have shown that they had confidence in the player and that they expected him to grow into that money. And none of this would have happened. Instead, they lowballed him and then ended and then didn't didn't want to negotiate after that uh, management. There was no communication, no. none. So they had plenty of time to make sure that what happened didn't happen. Why do you think they signed Nick Suzuki so fast at the beginning of this season? Because they realized they messed up and they couldn't risk going through that again next year. Um, so boo all you want. Just make sure you're building the right person. Because Yasperi Kakanyemi didn't feel like he was getting a vote of confidence from his current organization, and someone else dangled $6 million in front of his face. I mean, what are you going to do? I would take that in a heartbeat. Sorry, Rick, but... <laughs> no, I mean, like, you would take that. Uh, so any Anybody listening to this would take that. Would take of that. Of course. And is, is, again, we'll get back to this this whole value thing. Is uh, Jesperi Kotkiniemi worth $6 million this year? No. no. But that's irrelevant, completely irrelevant. That was the, the price that the Carolina Hurricanes um, had to, they had to offer in order to make the, in order to acquire the player. There was an acquisition cost there. Uh, as far as executing an offer sheet, this was uh, the right player, the right team, the right moment. Uh, they executed it to a T. And yes, and he's, as as Dundon and Waddell have said, they had two fins on the roster, uh, felt, the, felt the third fin would fit in very well. Um, you had mentioned earlier this week, you know, how often do you have the opportunity to go after the third overall pick from a draft? And, and then I added to that, and you've got the second overall from the same draft already on your roster. So you'd have the opportunity to have the second and third overall pick on your roster. If you're successful, of course they're going to go after you, Sperry Kotkaniemi. I mean, it's just a no brainer. Um, and it turns out that, that those were between Sebastian Ajo, who Mark Bergevin was not able to snag via an offer sheet and Kotkaniemi. Those were the two players who made all the difference in this game. Yeah. I mean, Sebastian Ajo had a three-point night. Kakinemi, beautiful deflection goal right in front of the net. Uh, easy peasy. I mean, they were the ones who stood out in this game, um, if you're looking at it objectively. Um, it, I mean, there's just so... <laughs> I mean, they kind of... You know, they always say if you've if you've got a beef about something, well, put it out, put it all out there on the ice. Well, the ones who did that were KK and Sebastian Ajo. And you can't really argue with that. Um, the other interesting thing we've said many times, um, whatever they're paying 
whatever Carolina is paying their marketing and social media team, and I'm not just talking about um, in terms of their rivalry with Montreal, I just mean in general, on a day-to-day basis, no matter who their opponent is, uh, whatever they're paying them, double it, maybe triple it, because they are very effective. The marketing team, the social media team, they are very effective at what they do. There is a reason why they latched on to John Cherry's calling them a bunch of jerks, and that is the identity that they have chosen to go with. And it's so effective. We have saw how, how effectively they trolled Montreal uh, after the offer sheet, well, during the offer sheet process and after it was over. And uh, they did it again on Thursday night. Had it ready to go. Um, as soon as the game was over, the Canadian or the Carolina Hurricanes tweeted simply, "Did the Hab lose? Did the Habs lose?" dot com. And I saw that, and I said, "Is that for like what is that?" I click on it. Sure enough, it is a free GoDaddy website that they've slapped together in ten minutes of an animation. Yes, the Habs did lose, and then. Three little shopping cart things. You can either buy a Sebastian Ajo or Yasperi Kotkaniemi Hurricanes shirt discounted down to 20 bucks for 24 hours only using promo code WE. I, brilliant. Brilliant troll job. I have, I mean, I have to give credit where credit is due. I mean, that is capitalizing on a moment and making yourself some money and your fans are going to go nuts for that. Um, it has since come out that they've actually, this isn't just a Canadians thing. They have these, they have a few of these websites ready to go for some of their rivals. Uh, so it's not that they're just, oh, they're so bitter and they're just, they, they just can't let go of the, no, it, the, this is just, this is part of their brand. Um, but Rick, it's, it's, it's brilliant. And then we have the disappointment on the Montreal side again, when Saturday morning, we all wake up and see that something's happened. Yeah, so or Friday morning, I should say. The Friday morning, um, the site was hacked. It was taken over by Habs fans, and it was changed. Um, what What was done originally was clever, yeah. and, and it it required some thought and some ingenuity, um, and some marketing uh, savvy. Um, and and you know, Tom Dundon has has. Uh, uh, allowed their marketing team uh, some latitude, and uh, l- let's be let's be clear that that uh, the missions of the hockey operations folks and the, the marketing people can be completely different, uh, and those trying to conflate the two uh, just don't know uh, they they don't know sports. Um, so th- the the marketing crew for the Hurricanes are. Uh, their mission is to be bold and brash, uh, a bunch of jerks, as you said, um, and their fans have completely embraced it. That's mm-hmm. their identity. That's the identity in a very difficult sports market in Carolina, uh, with with all the other major sports and college sports they're they're competing against. Uh, their their fans have embraced that identity, and it reminded me a little bit. You'll know this better than I uh, when. 
the Flyers introduced a new mascot mm-hmm. and and gritty. Uh, the day one reviews were not good. Um, nope. He the introduction was not good. He fell on the ice and and he was obnoxious and he was obnoxious to kids and uh, Flyers fans used to look at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it didn't look great. Flyers fans initially kind of complained. And then when the entire league started saying, well, that's the dumbest mascot I ever saw, then Flyers embraced him. Get off our gritty. And he's ours. And he's become the most popular mascot in the National Hockey League. By far. By far. By far. Uh, He has a different kind of... of, uh, personality um, th- yeah. that matches uh, what the f- fans can identify with, and that's kind of what's going on in 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 Carolina. And as you said, um, this isn't done just with w- uh, one eye, you know, with their 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 laser focus on the Montreal Canadiens. They have a rivalry with the Nashville Predators. They have a rivalry with the Washington Capitals, and they've their social media has has uh, gone after those teams as well. Uh, this was just really sad for me, again, as, as a, uh, wanting to be proud of the, of the team, wanting to be proud of the fan base. You have uh, the Carolina Hurricanes doing something clever. And I, I put in Slack uh, when it happened, when, when, when you uh, showed us the, the website, uh, that, that Canadians fans aren't going to like this. Uh, but that this plays to uh, their fan base and they'll eat it up. Uh, the next day, he, the quote came up from the marketing people said, uh, if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, it probably rubbed, rubbed you the wrong way, but we're not building our marketing plan around Canadians fans or Canadians media. We're building it for our fans, uh, which is exactly what, what Montreal uh, fans and media can't see everything, can't see the world, can't see the hockey world through only their lens. Yeah. Uh, this was through the lens of the Carolina. It was brilliant what they did. Uh, and they raised some revenue. They got some relevance. Um, and and it, was, it, it couldn't have played out better. Then the next day, it was uh, Habs fans uh, who hacked the site. So uh, in, in, in response to something creative, market, uh, in, in, a, in a marketing way that, that professionals do, um, we had a criminal act, uh, hacking a website. And that's what that is. Uh, that's really disgusting. That's really disappointing. Uh, that's, and, and the, the, the web, it was, it didn't even make sense. It was dumb. The, 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 it was a literally, uh, you know, the, the, the way it was written, it was just, it was dumb and stupid and criminal. Um, and again, I'm left being disappointed by the fan base, by the media, by the organization. Yeah, it's um, it's really a shame to see that, you know, um, it's, I understand, as you say, I understand Canadians fans being uh, offended by the website, uh, offended by social media tactics and, and so on and so forth. But you actually, you see this with a lot of teams around the, the Vegas Golden Knights social media team is ruthless. Um, Seattle's already starting to, to make their, their name known about that. Philly, you know, living up to their own fan base reputation. Philly holds no holds barred when it comes to their social media team. This isn't something that's, uh, just indicative of the Carolina hurricanes. This is how 
professional sports social media kind of goes these days. Um, and it's just so I, so I get fans being offended or fans not liking things or fans thinking that it's not funny. Um, I get that. And, and it's, I, I totally can understand that. But then you just have to let it go and walk away and just say, OK, well, I don't like the Carolina Hurricanes and I can't wait till we play till till we play them again, because um, I hope I hope the Canadians beat them. It doesn't have to go farther than but that. But be clever, and 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 your actions should fit the identity of the organization, and none of the going back to Jeff Molson not returning the calls. He refuses to return the calls of Tom Dundon. That's childish. Um, the the fact that the Canadians ran to the NHL to tattle on them for not having enough preseason reportedly games, yeah. that's childish. It is. Uh, let your actions. Um, match up with your identity, which is supposed to be uh, the, the the best, mo- the winningest franchise, the most storied franchise in the National Hockey League. Exactly. Let's hope they can uh, get back to focusing on that. Uh, we should make some notes about just some general things happening around the league. Uh, of course, we're getting dribs and drabs of, of information about what the Olympic rosters are going to look like. Uh, and as far as Team Canada goes, uh, they have submitted their 55-man long list that was required and uh, should not surprise anyone to see that Carey Price is among those listed. Yes, uh, there was a special exemption made for Carey Price, given that uh, he is in the uh, NHL, NHLPA uh, player assistant program. Um, So typically these 55 uh, player lists include, for all countries, include five goaltenders. Uh, The uh, the Team Canada was allowed uh, to have six goaltenders uh, submitted. Uh, we don't know who those 55 players are other than the goaltenders, and that was uh, reported by Pierre Lebrun. Um, and he's actually, in his discussions over the past few months, uh, gotten a sense of how those uh, goaltenders are uh, ordered um, and uh, ranked by Team Canada. Uh, all else being equal, and with Carey Price coming, uh, assuming Carey Price comes back, Prior to the Olympics, Carey Price is considered by Team Canada uh, the number one goaltender. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, the number two. Um, and there'll be a fight between uh, Darcy Kemper and Jordan Bennington from the Blues for that third spot. Um, also, kind of on the fringes, uh, Carter Hart from the Flyers, Mackenzie Blackwood, uh, who's who's injured right now for New Jersey. So uh, that, that kind of... Uh, is is Team Canada's thinking uh, right now, but Carey Price, if he returns, is is definitely in the mix. And we would love to see him there. Uh, he's very exciting to watch uh, in Olympic play. We'd, we'd love to see him back and healthy and competing for the Maple Leaf. Um, we just mentioned Seattle a moment ago. Of course, there's lots of excitement uh, as they are set to have their uh, inaugural uh, first in franchise history home opener uh, at Climate Pledge Arena, uh, hosting the Vancouver Canucks. Lots of hype about this game. Uh, of course, you know, Seattle's been been 
pretty, uh, you know, from the get-go, very high on production, social media, ideas, those kinds of things. So everyone's very much looking forward to uh, seeing what their home ice production is going to look like, getting to see inside the arena uh, things. There are some elements that are uh, reportedly going to look very different from other arenas around the league. So I think a lot of eyes will be on Seattle uh, as they have their home opener against Vancouver. Saw a video of Joey Decor, former um, Senators uh, goaltender, now with uh, Seattle, uh, taking his cell phone and taking his first walk through. We're, just a reminder that uh, Seattle did not play their preseason games uh, at the arena. The arena uh, now is ready uh, for them and uh, ready for their home opener. Yeah, the the uh, certainly the uh, Joey Decor was was impressed with. Uh, the the dressing room uh, with the size of the lockers, those kinds of things that are important to players inside the uh, the arena itself. Um, the 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 thing you're going to notice is there's no centerized clock scoreboard, uh, jumbotron. Uh, there's two sus- uh, that are suspended at either end, uh, and that's uh, apparently done with uh, an ear uh, to the. Uh, sound levels that they're uh, they want to create more set and the baffling they put in they want to make this one of the uh, loudest arenas of course uh, I know the Canadian the the Bell Center can be loud but the the arenas where that are judged to be object objectively judged to be the loudest in the NHL uh, are the what used to be the MTS uh, Bell MTS Center in Winnipeg now Canada Life Building uh, the, the arena in Winnipeg and uh, the Vegas Golden Knights uh, arena uh, are the judged to be the loudest. Seattle wants to to be in that range. Uh, and and just one more thing with respect to the opening ceremonies. Apparently, the the fellow the director who's going to be running the uh, game presentation, the on, the on ice opening ceremonies. Uh, was uh, formerly with uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, and of course they have um, absolutely the the best uh, opening uh, ceremonies in the league, uh, supplanting the the Montreal Canadiens from that. And and so uh, it should be quite spectacular tonight. It absolutely should. Can't wait to see how that all unfolds. Uh, speaking of things that are a little different, of course, the U.S. Uh, fans, and I can I can attest to this, are getting treated to new NHL broadcasting deals now that NBC is out of the mix uh, for, for the NHL. Uh, ESPN and TNT, uh, both Disney Company and Turner Network, uh, getting in on the, on the deals and really positive reviews coming in on the new broadcast, the panels, the uh, the broadcasters themselves, the analysts uh, on both networks. Uh, and I would even just as a, as a personal note, I would hedge slightly towards Turner uh, for this simply for the unsuspecting combination of Paul Bissonnette and Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> I think they are the duo to, uh, I think they're the benchmark. They play... I don't know how that would ever have organically happened, but they play off of each other very well. Uh, and their panel with uh, Liam McHugh and Anson Carter uh, is actually really fun. And um, 
it's really intelligent. It's 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 really compared to some of the panels that the U.S. fans have had to deal with, uh, particularly on the NHL's own network. Uh, it is a breath of fresh air to have some really quality, um, really quality analysts and uh, and and panels and so forth. So so far, so good. I like I've, it. I've seen some clips and and uh, it certainly can. Uh, from my limited viewing, uh, endorse what you're saying. Uh, the, the, the Wayne Gretzky is is has been great, uh, and and that difference, the, the the different way they they view the game between Paul Bissonnette and Wayne are, are terrific uh, uh, interaction between them, um, and and yeah, the 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 panelists I think are where uh, these two new uh, networks beat the the Canadian networks hand. Hands down, the panels uh, on both uh, Sportsnet, Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada, and TSN have have really uh, suffered, um, and um, so it, it's now there. There have been some minor changes. Sportsnet has a new studio; uh, they've upgraded their studio. They have new great. I should say their score bug is great. It's uh, much more oh, legible so than good. it used to yeah. be. Um, but we want to hear more Elliot Friedman on Sportsnet. Chris Johnson left Sportsnet, uh, went to, uh, well, he's uh, with the Toronto Star, but he's also now on TSN as an insider. Uh, a little bit welcome uh, there. Uh, it brings some good insight uh, to that, that their panels. Um, so uh, I, I think that uh, for the most part, both, uh, both sides of the border are, are well served. Um, but really interesting to see what uh, ESPN and, and TNT have done. Absolutely. And uh, I like it so far. And the ESPN Plus uh, streaming all of the out-of-market games, um, I didn't feel the need to, because of the quality of that, uh, for the first time ever, I did not buy the cable NHL Center Ice package because what you're getting on uh, ESPN Plus streaming uh, is is more than sufficient. It's it's fantastic, uh, including also getting college hockey and KHL hockey. Uh, so nice. yeah, it's uh, watched uh, Jordan Wheel uh, play for. Um, I'm sorry. I know AK Bars. Uh, I think uh, a little bit last night and uh, saw some Alexi Yemelin and um, let's I like, see. I always liked him. Emelin, yeah. Um, uh, David Sklenichka, former Laval Rocket player. Uh, Otto Leskinen, former Laval Rocket. Yeah, uh, caught up with... Uh, <laughs> we want to keep an eye on Leskinen. We can even still have his rights. Well, there you go. So it's it's uh, it's it's a great package. Uh, we are going to take our first break here on the Canadians Connection. Still to come, uh, we are going to tackle our big topic segment next, where we are going to discuss the leadership and who is guiding the ship. And of course, don't forget later in the show, we've got Neil Villapiano uh, joining us from the Hockey Podcast Network, uh, where he's going to tell us a tale about uh, the, the trials and tribulations of being a Maple Leafs fan and a new book he has out talking about just that. So don't go anywhere. This is the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. NFL fans hungry for a big win this week? Well, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, 
you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum of $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Amy Johnson. You can find me over on Twitter at Flyers Rule. And of course, with me in the studio is our president and the founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Steven. Uh, make sure that you're following him also on Twitter. You can find him at All Habs. Of course, as far as this podcast is concerned, you want to follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Visit our website, CanadiansConnection.com. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, just look down on your podcast app right now. All right, check if you're subscribed because you don't ever want to miss a single episode of the Canadians Connection every Saturday. Uh, now, this is the segment where we tackle a big topic. And, and this week we've titled this, Who's Guiding the Ship? You know, they've had a historically bad start to the season. They're 0-5. Uh, there is just absolutely no debating the fact that the Canadians are, are missing two very big pieces of the puzzle, two leaders of the team who have provided the stability and the direction uh, to to that helped them get to the Stanley Cup final, quite frankly, um, without Shea Weber, without Carey Price, not really, it, it's it's very unlikely that, that the team would have made it as far as they did. So without those two, uh, your captain is rehabbing, uh, completely on the other side of the continent. Uh, Carey Price, you don't know when your your future Hall of Fame goaltender is going to be back between the pipes for you. Um, so who's charting the course? Who's, who's the one or ones who are the, the stability in the locker room? Who's instilling confidence in not only the young players, but in the veterans who are having trouble getting going and finding, finding that sweet spot early on. Um, you know, there are plenty of players who are going to wear a letter this season, but that's not necessarily meaning that those are the only people who uh, need to be responsible for being leaders and helping turn this team around. Uh, how, what 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 piece does the head coach play in in that equation? What piece does the general manager play? The owner play? Uh, Rick, there's a there's a there's a lot of angles to look at when it turn, comes to leadership for this team. And I think it really, quite frankly, before the zero and five start, this was already a question of in a season where Shea is not here, Carey is not going to start the season. Um, 
where, you know, how is this leadership algorithm, I'll, I'll say, really going to shake out? Um, and so there were questions about how that was going to work coming into the season, now completely exacerbated by an 0-5 start. Well, and that's just it. It's it's the start. Um, it's pretty easy to, you know, have uh, oh uh, a bunch of self acknowledged uh, leaders when you're arriving a wave of success. It's a whole different thing when you're facing adversity. That's when you need. That's when you need the strongest uh, leadership. Those that provide stability. Those those that provide a foundation. Uh, and 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 this in in all the circumstances that have happened, this this isn't just about one player. This isn't just about the fact that the Canadians don't have a C. Um, this isn't about you know when we talk about players, uh, it seems that fans have um, they don't understand uh, what the C means. Um, the they the in in. The vast majority, and we see it all the time on social media. This is my favorite player. He should be captain. This is the most popular player of of the team. He should be captain. It doesn't work that way. Mm-mm. It doesn't work that way. What fans see as as uh, qualities uh, that that make them excited aren't the same for for fellow players. Um, so uh, you know that. The fact that that Shea Weber was not only Montreal's captain, but acknowledged as as one of the best captains, one of the best leaders in all of the NHL, um, and and had a special quality about him uh, that was very effective in calming down, as we'll hear later. Uh, sometimes uh, without words, sometimes with with just a look. Mm-hmm. Um, he was able to bring calm, able to bring stability. Speaking of of calm, uh, there's Carey Price, uh, and 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 he's he's both for the opposition, uh, the most feared to 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 face. We've we've seen that in poll after poll after poll, um, but also for his own team. When things maybe are, are going off the rails, he can make that big save. He can do it with puck handling, and that instills confidence for the defense, for the breakouts, um, and knowing that if they make a mistake, he's going to be there to clean it up. So this is a problem that's uh, you know that 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 has snowballed. Um, we have both uh, Carey Price and Shea Weber out. The the two f- pillars of uh, of this team are not there. Uh, there was the supporting cast in uh, Corey Perry being a strong leader, Eric Stahl uh, standing up and, and saying things throughout the playoffs. They're not there. Um, and and the players who remain are different. They, they, have, they, they bring different things, uh, but they don't bring those things. The coach, um, you know, you can have a coach who instills confidence and and uh, in this case, uh, you have a, a very inexperienced coach, uh, who I mean, let's 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 be honest. Communication strategy may be his strength. He may have a lot of strengths as a coach. Communication isn't one of them, mm-hmm. um, and that goes in both languages. The 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 kinds the way he communicates just isn't um, inspiring. Um, a general manager uh, can sometimes bring, uh, you know, uh, uh, leadership. Um, Mark Bergevin is in limbo right now. So, uh, you know, he can say things, but uh, they don't carry the same weight. 
and Jeff Molson has just been completely absent, missing in action. Mm-hmm. Um, that was silly. That was that again, childish. Uh, uh, there's been calls and calls and calls uh, for Mark for uh, Jeff Molson to come out and and uh, s- uh, speak. And for him to um, cowardly uh, avoid that and then uh, try to answer that by coming out and, and, and greeting uh, the, uh, the fans for a few seconds. Of course, there's no questions asked in his pre-prepared speech. Welcome back to the Bell Center and, um, you know, rah, rah, rah kind of thing. Um, that isn't leadership either. So there's a real absence of leadership with the Montreal Canadiens, and and uh, that's contributing. When you're facing adversity, when things aren't going right, um, th- there there's more talent on on this roster than than to go zero and five to uh, you know be minus fifteen in the the differential um, to have scored four, given up nineteen. There's more talent on on this league, but uh, in this team, um, but. They can't get they they'll, they'll get out of it. They will get out of it, uh, but but it's not as easy when there's such a lack of leadership up and down the ranks. Well, and you know you look at um, guys that might come first to mind are you know Jeff Petrie or Brendan Gallagher, um, and well Jeff Petrie uh, after the fourth loss after the San Jose game. Um, you know, it's perfectly acceptable, understandable, uh, and natural for every guy on that team to be absolutely furious and frustrated with how, with the situation, with how they played the game. Uh, it was not a good effort, uh, on that night. Um, and, and the fact that they now find them, found themselves 0 and 4. Um, but you never would see Shea Weber, come off the ice furious about how the game went or how the team played or anything like that and march right to the podium and vent about it. Uh, You know, he would go back to the dressing room, compose himself, calm down, probably yell, you know, maybe, maybe he would have his own choice words to say at a, at a, at a particular volume level and things of that nature. And then, go out and present uh, a, a calm but maybe frustrated or, or irritated persona of just seriousness of how they needed to right the ship. Jeff Petrie didn't do that on, on, on Tuesday night. Jeff Petrie was outraged and didn't take any kind of buffer or cool off time before he came out to meet the media. And it was quite apparent um, and I'm not really sure who it helped other than Jeff Petrie to get things off of his chest that maybe he could have gotten off of his chest elsewhere instead of in front of a microphone. We have a clip here, which is actually not it's it's a it's a bunch of different responses from him uh, at for, to different questions that we've kind of all strung together just to give you an idea of essentially, uh, the the theme of Jeff Petrie's response to the media on Tuesday night. I don't know. The, we didn't show up in Buffalo, and there are small, small glimpses of it tonight, but that's not good enough. Uh, I mean, it's frustrating. We're four games into the year, and we've played two games like that. Half of our games have been 
no effort. I think we need to get back to our, to basics. I think we need to put in the effort and make sure that we're supporting each other. It's, there's so many times where we're skating away from the puck, we're leaving guys out to dry, we're we're not playing as a unit of five, and we're going to go nowhere with that, with playing like that. We need everybody to have better effort and you know we need to play a simple game and play a hard game and right now we we haven't and um you know we're 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 on the outside we're we're not supporting each other there's there's a lot of things that we need to to improve on and you know for i think just to simplify our game and not to play a a cute game cuz we're not scoring goals and we're giving up uh, way too many chances. We shouldn't be in that situation four games into the year. You mentioned it earlier, but just to emphasize, um, you know, there's tip, typically a way that thing these things uh, happen, the way they come off the ice, they go in the dressing room, that, the, you know, the, the reporters are usually sitting there waiting for, in the media room, waiting for the players to come in. Uh, Jeff Petrie was, was wanting to, uh, be at that microphone right away. Um, and uh, as you said, it was it was a venting um, exercise. Uh, the words that he used, I can't, I can't, uh, I really can't uh, uh, go back and, and think about a, a captain saying any of those kinds of things, that there was no effort, we're going nowhere, uh, we're just playing a cute game, uh, we didn't show up. All of these are 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 uh, maybe maybe rant about them in in the as you said in the dressing room, but uh, to say that in front of the media, it, and somebody said, um, you know, uh, we we've we haven't seen you this mad, this angry. This was the Jeff the angry Jeff Petrie. That's not the kind of face that that you want to see in a leader, um, particular. And, and the other point is uh, there was in the in that presser, he didn't come out and say it, but it was pretty implicit that he was uh, criticizing the forwards. Um, and, and I found that odd as well. Um, but also uh, maybe you have the gravitas to say these kinds of things. If you've been playing well uh, and people around you haven't, but Jeff Petrie has been awful yeah. um, and he hasn't re- reacted well to, um, to being the number one defenseman in Montreal. He's always had that cover with Shea Weber there and Shea Weber playing the big minutes and the tough minutes uh, and allowed to do his thing on the second pairing. He hasn't reacted well at all. He hasn't been the, the power play quarterback that uh, everybody has, has expected. He hasn't played well. And, and I really would have liked him to say, um, a lot more, uh, you know, I expect more out of myself. I haven't been playing. Well, I, 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 that to me is more of what a leader would be saying at this time. Well, in fact, um, Sherratt at a different point during the week said something to that effect. He said, um, the first thing everybody on the team has to do is take a look in the mirror and make sure that they're doing everything they can first before. And I'm not saying that he was referenced. I, I can't even remember if this was before or after Petrie. So it's not that, like it's in reference to Petrie, but just a difference of approach that Sherratt, you know, came out to the media and said, every guy is accountable to themselves first and, and accountable for what they're contributing first. And then we can look at, then you can look at everybody else around the room. 
Um, so I do agree with you there. Brendan Gallagher also, um, you know, we've seen Brendan Gallagher is an emotional guy and, and we've seen the highs and lows of Brendan Gallagher, but there was a different Brendan Gallagher, uh, after that game on Tuesday night. Um, very, almost very, um, I don't want to say defeated, but, but you could just tell there was a different demeanor with him. Uh, just listen to this clip. Well, now's the time. It's, uh, it's not going to be easy. You know, a lot of people are going to turn on us. Uh, it's going to be important in that locker room that, you know, we don't. We, we do the right thing. You work to find solutions. It's never easy to get out of these things. You know, it's, it's very disappointing that it, it's happening at the very beginning of the year. But this is when you're, when you're challenged. So you want to test yourself, test yourself in the, in the toughest situations. And that's what we got right now. What he said there um, is, uh, Brandon Gallagher speaks very well. Uh, he does. He always has. Um, I think that uh, it's the emotional part uh, that that makes him a good assistant. Maybe not a great uh, captain. Uh, doesn't have a great relationship with the referees. Maybe that's another reason uh, that he wouldn't make a great captain. Uh, but it, it's the fact that um, he really was frustrated uh, and and. Jeff Petrie was angry. Uh, Brandon Gallagher was really frustrated, and and uh, you know some of the 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 folks that were at ice level when he came off the ice, we've seen him smash a stick before, uh, but he wanted to break every single stick in yeah, that stick rack. He did. Uh, we haven't seen that level of frustration uh, from Brandon Gallagher before, and uh, so you get angry uh, on one side, get really frustrated on the other, and again, that's not the kind of uh, stability that, that the team uh, needs right now. And that's not to say that every one of those players can't be angry or frustrated, but there has to be, there has to be that, that calming presence, as you say, the, the foundation, the stability and the person that then can say, okay, we're all feeling this. How do I inject some confidence into this locker room so that we can overcome it. That's that's the difference for for a leadership role. Ben Sherrod, I just mentioned a couple of minutes ago, his media conference, this was after a, a, a morning practice or skate. Um, ben Sherrod is always a good interview. He's very well-spoken. He communicates well. Um, but he still comes across as calm yet intense you can you can hear in the things that he says that he is he is completely aware of the need for things to change and for them to change quickly um and that he is aware of of the the just the 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 situation at hand without without getting too emotional about it. He, he reminds you the most of a Shea Weber. Uh, and, and he talked about leadership specifically. The leadership in the, in the room has to make, keep everyone on the same page. We're receiving the, the message from the coaching staff and that it's, it's being, it's being followed in the room. We can't, uh, we can't have guys going off on their own page. It's just, that's not the way the game works and that's not how we're going to be successful. We, um, you know, we're not a, we're not an all-star team with 50 goal scorers. We got a hard, hard working group of guys that need to play together to be successful. So um, I think that's the biggest thing is everyone just staying on the same page. He's level headed and, and um, yeah, that they need more of that. 
and and I, I, I don't don't uh, see this as us promoting one person over another for a no. captain. That isn't that isn't the point of this exercise. It's talking about uh, the leadership qualities that are missing and what's needed uh, to provide the the leadership to help get the Canadians out of the mess that they're in, um, and and why it's different why it's different this year than it than it has been. We talked about as well, you know, the coaching staff. You you spoke about Dominic Ducharme's, you know, his his the weak areas of his able abilities to communicate and and effectively and and instill confidence and so forth. Um, it's not easy to rally around uh, when your coach comes out to the media and in in talking about his line combinations and and what he's had to put out there on the ice uh, when he says this. Desperation is not uh, the line combinations <laughs> because anyway, right now, you know, I I feel that we have you know one line that's kind of clicking, kind of. One line that's kind of clicking, kind, <laughs> kind of. of, kind of. That's that's a vote of confidence right there. <laughs> and and the funny thing is that that he said this. Uh, I'm not desperate. Um, by shuffling the lines, I'm not desperate. Uh, and then he made it sound very desperate uh, that they only have one kind of working line. And then he proceeded to continuing uh, to to shuffle lines. So. Um, remember that a lot of what uh, comes out at uh, at these pressers is, is the same kind of messages uh, that the coaching staff uh, say in private to the players, uh, and this this doesn't this doesn't instill confidence at all. Um, that that your coaching staff is going uh, that your co- head coach is going to be uh, the one that has the 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 experience and and the, and the path. Uh, that uh, to to guide uh, us through this difficult time. On top of that, he was then pressed a little bit uh, talking about the line combinations and so forth. And he has he has this quote where, and I and I saw some of some of the Dan Robertson from TSN six ninety actually even had to he he put this quote out on Twitter and then said, okay, I didn't think I'd need to clarify what he's saying here, but here's what he's actually saying. Um, but you know, it's he's he's reacting to this, I guess, this concept that he has in his head of of people are going to in the media or fans uh, that that they're kind of like what Gallagher said, turn on us. Uh, and and this is he, he got a bit defensive. And this is what he said. You, you, like, anyone can bury us right now. Like, and we don't care. Seriously, we don't we don't care. We're going to take care of business and we're going to finish where we deserve to finish. That's um, at his very defensive. His, his pride is hurt. Uh, the little poof, you know, um, seriously, yeah. uh, we don't care what people are saying. Go ahead, say everything you want. Bury us with your words. We don't care. Um, stop it. <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe it, you should care. <laughs> it, it was um, my goodness. Um, again, though, uh, it's an the, an inexperienced um, head coach who's having to uh, find his way through something that he has never experienced uh, as a head coach at the professional level, and 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 that's 
that's what the Canadians are missing here is, is that person who could stand up and, and uh, say, no, no, uh, you know, I've been through this before. I've been through this with another team. I've been through. Um, there's, there's also, uh, just to add to it, uh, another clip. And it, it was, it, he said it in English before. He said it in French uh, this week. Um, he has a stock phrase uh, that he uses all the time and thinks it's clever, I think. Um, where he said, um, uh, yes, uh, we've committed, we committed errors and they made us pay in cash. And then he looks we, like he looks to everybody for their reaction. We pay like that's for our mistakes in, in cash. cash. Yeah. It's, it's, um, uh, he goes back to that often. He did again this week. Um, again, you know, we're, we're left rolling our eyes and, and you can't imagine that, that the players who've now heard it several times that it's it's all that meaningful a phrase to them the, the words are just kind of hollow they are um i was struck by the same thing in this particular press conference he said something to the effect of listen no none not a single guy in that room came to the rink last night thinking well I, we're gonna play bad tonight that just that just didn't happen it doesn't work that way well okay yeah, that's straw man kind of stuff that's like nobody even, no one suggested that. No one would. No one would suggest that. So that's just a complete non-answer. Um, it's a. Uh, it's it's a bit of a. <laughs> it's a bit of a struggle. Um, and and it's it's concerning when the coach doesn't actually seem to have a conf. You know, we're looking for leadership to instill confidence in the group. I don't see the coach coming out with a confident response as to how things are going to turn around. And so I think, I don't think those two things are unrelated. Then Dominic Ducharme steps away from the podium. This was midweek. This was, I think, Wednesday uh, after practice. Mm -hmm. And the Canadians had not announced this. They had not sent out a press notification. But all of a sudden it was, oh, and by the way, Mark is here. Bergevin's going to sit down and talk to you. Completely impromptu, completely unannounced, Bergevin just shows up, um, which made everyone go, um, okay, what's this about? And he assured them, time to get, well, you know, things can, there's a lot of scrutiny in Montreal, and I just felt that, you know, I am the GM, and I felt that I needed to come out and just tell everyone that everything's okay and everything's going to be fine. Um but it was still bizarre, and it was bizarre that they didn't announce that he, unless unless for some reason that morning he just suddenly said, "Hey, Paul Wilson, I'm I'm speaking today," while Ducharme was talking or something. Who knows? Um, but he did say some interesting things. One of them, uh, one of one of which is talking about uh, what he has observed in this team in the first at this point of this press conference, it was in the first four games. This is what he said. Yeah, you know, we're not playing in sync. I mean, overall, like, I, I don't sit with the coaches the next day and recut the game as they do. But, you know, as I'm watching, I don't like our puck support. You know, I just don't like it. I, I, I see we're just trying to do too much. And then last night, what I saw for the first time is after they scored that first goal, we got tight. And that's a team that is shows that has no confidence and they have to overcome that. And, you know, and you start with a win and then you snowball, but that's where he has to start. And again, that's, you know, uh, 
You know, we, we, you could say we didn't have any have we don't have any puck lucks. Well, you work for your puck luck also. Uh, we don't have any penalties. Well, you work to draw penalties, and you know that's not the case right now. So, uh, I mean, they've done they've done it before, and they have to find a way, dig deep, uh, and look around, and not look for uh, winners or find uh, solution excuse uh, loser find excuses. So there's no excuse. You know, like I said, some guy key guys are missing. Got to find a way. So he said, the first thing he said was, uh, we're not in sync. Uh, and, and yes, we, we all see that. I've said yeah. it in, in uh, the game recaps uh, on allhabs.net, that they look lost. They look disjointed. Uh, there's a lack of cohesion. Um, there's some individual kind of efforts happening, but they don't seem to know what, the, what other people are doing or they're trying to. There's, there's a lack of direction. That's a lack of leadership. He, he's, he's saying, um, you know, there's, there's no direction. There's no leadership. He talked about um, the, the fact that right away they, the, a goal scored and there's no confidence. That's a lack of no leadership. leadership. Uh, Carey Price isn't there to provide that, knowing that the, second, the next goal won't get in. Car uh, Shea Weber isn't there to calm the bench. Um, so again, all of these things point to a lack of leadership. And there's nothing wrong with, uh, it, it was a big surprise, uh, just to follow on what you said, uh, that Bergevin just kind of showed up. We only hear from Bergevin um, a handful of times a year and usually at significant times, it's not unprecedented that he wouldn't come out and try and, and, and uh, exhibit leadership himself. It's actually kind of commendable yeah. that he would uh, try to go out and, 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 uh, uh, and take some of the blame and, and, and well, he didn't, but, but uh, to, to offer his uh, analysis of what's going on. The problem is, is given that he is in limbo, his words don't have the same power behind them. They right. don't have the same authority behind him, but behind them, um, and that's what 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 made this whole thing. Um, you know, I don't want to use the word impotent, but but it's it's not as forceful as as it would have been otherwise if he was in a stronger leadership position. Absolutely. You know, and speaking of leadership, of course, they uh, reporters present asked him about uh, Carrie Price, asked him about Shea Weber. Um, and he talked in particular about Shea. You know, it's there's, of course, as they've said, Shea's been in contact, um, you know, here and there as he can. But the fact of the matter is, is he's not in the room. He's on the other side of the continent. He's he's <laughs> he's not anywhere near Montreal. So it's 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 a different kind of, of leadership role for him this season. And it's not being an active daily uh, participant in leadership uh, activities every day. Here's, here's what Mark Bergman had to say. It's, well, it's hard when you're not here, you know, I mean, you, the, um, I think Shea's uh, presence, presence means a lot, says a lot. And, you know, lots of time just his look, is the way he looked at, you know, the team or the players would send a message and that's hard to do from Kelowna. So, so who will do it? Yeah. And there, there, there's that, there's that vacuum again, that Shea Weber is not here doing those kinds of things that gave us stability in the past. And uh, again, I, 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 
you know, Mark Bergevin said, um, you know, he wasn't going to make any changes because he had confidence. He thought that there was uh, good players in the room and he believes in him, believes in them. But again, uh, being a, a seen as a lame duck, given that uh, there's no commitment to him uh, by ownership. Um, so we remember this situation um, in the past when Jacques Martin was fired as head coach and it was a reasonable, uh, the assistant coach was put in, a, in as an acting head coach. Uh, the unfortunate thing is, his name was Randy Cunningworth, uh, a unilingual anglophone, and uh, that, that meant that uh, the Montreal Canadiens apologized for hire. And well, that just, that just took the, the, any authority he had right out from uh, under him. And it, the, the Canadians spiraled uh, because it didn't matter what he said. He didn't have the same authority. Um, and that's what's happening right now with Mark Bergevin uh, because, you know, whether he has the same position, whether he's, you know, got the same credentials, the same uh, responsibility, it's not with the same authority because uh, the, the, the organization hasn't shown their commitment to him. And that's the other elephant in the room. And inevitably, since he was in front of a microphone, reporters are going to ask him, what's the deal with the contract? Um, and I found it interesting. I, I Correct me if I'm wrong. It, I believe it was Stu Callan that, that pressed him on this and asked him more than once, but do you want to be do you want to be back in Montreal next year? Do you want to return to Montreal? Yeah, in a perfect world, yeah. In a perfect world, yeah. Yeah. Um, so in a perfect the, world. So the 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 reporters ran out of the room, and the, and the tweets and the stories that came out is yes, um, Mark Bergevin has definitively said that he wants to be in Montreal. So we know that that that's uh, that's final. But they missed the nuance. They this that we played was a two second clip, but the words were incredible, um, and there was a lot in there that um, that 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 he didn't say, um, but he alluded to. In a perfect world, yes. Now, why would you say? Why would you add that qualifier? In a perfect world, why wouldn't you just say, "Do you want to be in Montreal?" Yes, absolutely. If you really wanted to, if what the reporters were saying was actually true, you'd say, "Yes, absolutely. Uh, I want to. I want to remain here." But he used that qualifier in a perfect world, which means right now, whatever the conditions are, whatever the criteria is. Whatever parameters uh, and 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 work relationship he has with Jeff Molson, it isn't a perfect world. Something something is making him hesitate from making a definitive statement about wanting to be in Montreal. In a perfect world, does that mean he doesn't want as much meddling uh, as gone as has gone on with Jeff Molson? We know that to be the case. Um, is it is it a, a financial issue? Um, is it, uh, being able to hire certain people or go out and get certain players? We, we don't know what, what that in a perfect world means, but it means it doesn't exist right now. Otherwise he would say definitively, yes, I want to be here. But that's just it, right? Um, everyone knows the world is not perfect. We don't live in a perfect world. So when you say, well, in a perfect world, XYZ. 
anytime anybody says that, you know that they mean, well, yes, I this this second half of the sentence would be true if we lived in a perfect world. But the unspoken part of it is always, but we don't live in a perfect world, so I can't say that. And so that's essentially what he's done here. In a perfect world, yes, absolutely. I'd love to be back in Montreal. He's actually saying, but I don't know if that's going to be feasible for, as you mentioned, whatever amount of factors combined. Um, as you said, every reporter in the room, all they heard was, yes, I want to be in Montreal, and they ran with that. There was no reading between the lines. There was no understanding nuance. There was no interpreting the message he was trying to send without, you know, that's Mark Bergevin's way of answering a question posed to him by the press without having to literally come out and say, well, I'd like to be back in Montreal, but Jeff Molson is making that difficult for me. He can't do that. <laughs> he's, he's, he, there's going to be negotiations on the table. So this is his way of saying what, what giving an answer without giving an answer. Um, and again, it's, whew, you would think you, you got to listen. You got to listen to the things that are said and the unspoken parts of it too. And put it in the context of things that we already know. Uh, that's also important because you can't take a statement in isolation uh, and and try to you know, words without context are, are meaningless. I've said it a thousand times. Um, and so now the really important part is we get to to hear the quote. We've been playing quotes from players, from coach, from the GM. Now we get to hear the quote from the ownership of the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, it went just like that. Um, we haven't heard from um, Jeff Molson's been completely MIA. And meanwhile, uh, there's lots of things for him to respond to. Uh, lots of things. Um, and, uh, you know, it allows the rumors uh, to start swirling. Um, so uh, we, we heard uh, this past week, and, and it, was, it was kind of amusing, um, a little bit amusing, that there was a secret meeting between Jeff Molson and Patrick Wong, Quebec City, uh, and that it, it actually the, the meeting was happened twice uh, in the spring, and um, and and so uh, that's why um, uh, Jeff Molson hasn't come out and uh, endorsed um, uh, or offered a contract or spoken at all is because there's this secret deal uh, with Patrick Wong. Um, no. <laughs> so it, the, the, the reporter is somebody, I don't know, uh, Danny Gingra, um, reported this and, uh, said that they had met twice at the Hilton. So, um, <laughs> uh, in, in Quebec city. And, and, um, so they asked Patrick Waugh, uh, did you meet with, uh, Jeff Molson at the Hilton? His quote is one thing's clear. If I had met him. It wouldn't have been at the Hilton. <laughs> Would have been probably at the Capitol. And then, in typical Patrick Waugh fashion. Yeah. Uh, and then he went on to say, definitively, I've never met with Jeff Molson. Those are those are false rumors. And honestly, it's not even worth talking about. So exactly. <laughs> it's it's. But that I think we're going to have a whole year of this. Oh, uh, there are more. 
because uh, Larry Brooks Mm -hmm. um, happened to uh, drop this in the New York Post, uh, saying that uh, to his ears, whispered into his ears, uh, was a savvy individual with keen insight into the dynamics of the league. And Mark Bergevin entering the final year of his contract as general manager in the Montreal might just end up in Los Angeles working with his good friend, Kings president, Luke Robitaille. So people said, well, that's the, you know, in a perfect world. Maybe there's in uh, LA, there's uh, more of a perfect world and he can be reunited with Phil Deneau and, and all the, as if uh, a decision uh, would, would involve, <laughs> uh, of that nature would involve Phil Deneau. Um, so anyways, all of this is, um, is, is silly, um, but it's, it's partly because people are trying to piece things, piece little things together that they've heard and make sense of it in the absence of leadership by the ownership. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a leadership vacuum top to bottom, uh, and uh, that has been the biggest story with respect to the Montreal Canadiens going 0-5 to start. And it's not helping. None of that is helping the on-ice product turn things around. Um, and so I said time will tell in the first segment. I'm going to use that that canned phrase again to see if uh, if they can find some leadership and get some inspiration and confidence in that room. And the thing is, this has happened before. Uh, we don't have time to get into it. But the parallels between this, well, actually it's two seasons, this season and last season, and 95, 96, 94, 95, uh, there's parallels there. And you think of Winston Churchill who said, those who fail to learn from history are condemned to repeat it. And there are lots of parallels. We'll, we'll, maybe we'll get into it next week. But um, uh, this has happened before. The Canadians should know better. They have a long history and they should be learning from that history. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, we are going to take our final break here on the Canadians Connection. Up next, uh, we've got some uh, general all-haves content to get you caught up on. And we have a very special guest, uh, another host of a show here at the Hockey Podcast Network, uh, the Devil State of Mind podcast, here to talk about being a Leafs fan and a book that he wrote about it. So stay with us. You're listening to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. 
Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 160 of the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Don't forget you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. And of course, remember, you can always text us anytime, not even not just during the show, but any time of the week. If you've got a question, a comment, a statement you'd like to make, some feedback, whatever it is, uh, text us anytime at the Rocket Sports text line, which is 5853-ROCKET. Now, we know it's been a busy week. We know it's been a frustrating week as a Habs fan watching this team fall short over and over and over again. But you can feel good that the Rocket Sports team and the AllHabs.net team is not letting you down. Uh, we're uh, we've, our, our team has been cranking out some great content over at AllHabs.net uh, to kind of keep you centered and, and give you an idea of really what's happening. Uh, of course, uh, Chris G with his Habs notepad on Mondays, followed by uh, Rick's uh, Habs headlines that come out Tuesday through Friday. That way, every morning you just start your day with the latest Habs news, really quick little posts, get you all caught up on the latest going on with the Montreal Canadiens. Um, of every game day, there is a comprehensive game preview that's put together by Rick, uh, as well as Sam and Cole. The three of them all work together to do the game previews every day. And then Rick handles a very comprehensive, very thorough game recap after each game. Our Ben Dankyu, of course, is back to his weekly reaction videos on our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash allhabs. That's the Habs Fan Forum video segment. And every Thursday, Ben's there reacting to the games that happened in the week before. And, and basically from a, you know, he's, he's one of you. He's a fan. And if you want to feel the highs and the lows of the season and week to week, then you want to watch ben, Ben's segment because uh, that's that's what he does. He reacts as a fan to what's happening in real time. Uh, and it's a, it's a great segment. So be sure you check that out. And of course, don't forget AHLReport.com. Uh, that's where we handle all of the Prospect and Laval Rocket information, game recaps, profiles, news, uh, and the Press Zone Montreal podcast. Uh, now, speaking of podcasts, as I said at the top of the show, we're a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, it's a network that is jam-packed full of podcasts representing every NHL club around the league. So whether uh, you're just interested in hockey in general, or if you have a second or third team that you enjoy following as well, go to the Hockey Podcast Network's website. You'll find uh, shows representing fan bases of every one of the NHL teams. 
And for the New Jersey Devils, uh, that would be Devils State of Mind podcast. And the host of that, Neil Villapiano, also happens to be a Maple Leafs fan. And uh, we all certainly know the trials and tribulations of being a, a Maple Leafs fan, from a Habs perspective at least. Uh, and he sat down with Rick recently to talk about that. So we've been talking about how the Montreal Canadiens are struggling. Uh, there's no denying that they're struggling right now. Uh, but in, in this segment, um, we'd like to uh, look back to a, a better time, let's say. Remind ourselves of, of a better time, the, the Stanley Cup uh, run of uh, 2021. And to do that... Uh, I've invited um, a, a colleague uh, from the Hockey Podcast Network. His name is Neil Villapiano. He is the host of the Devil State of Mind podcast, the New Jersey Devils podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. And thrilled to have you on the Canadians Connection with me here today, Neil. Yeah, Rick, thanks for having me on. Uh, obviously, big fan of the work that you guys do. I'm, I'm basically a big fan of everybody here at the Hockey Pod Network. And uh, obviously, I wish I was doing a little bit better considering how the Devils had a, a rough loss last night at home to the Capitals. But, uh, you know, that's that's part of it. Uh, they're doing a little bit better than the Canadians are at the moment. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm, I'm doing really well. I'm excited to be on and, you know, just talk some hockey. So the New Jersey Devils, two and one, uh, two wins, one loss in the Metro, uh, not doing too badly, as you said, uh, a, a little bit better than than the Canadians. And, you know, uh, oddly, we're not going to talk about the New Jersey Devils. Um, the Canadians uh, don't meet the Devils until a couple days before Christmas and then again in uh, mid-January. And, and maybe we'll have you back, uh, Neil, uh, at that time to talk about the Devils. But you're here today with me to talk about uh, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, and uh, listen, you were watching, I was watching, uh, all of our, our listeners were watching that mm -hmm. uh, the, the Stanley Cup Finals, the first round uh, playoff series, the Leafs up to a very comfortable 3-1 to one lead. It was 3-1, became a, a bit of a mean. They had a stranglehold on the series, um, right. as I said, we were remembering a better time. So that better time meant that, uh, Shea Weber was anchoring the top pairing defense. Carey Price, the most feared goaltender in the NHL was, uh, started to carry the team and, uh, and the Canadians upset, uh, the, the, the Leafs, uh, to take that first round series and the Leafs bounced again. And after that series, you had mm -hmm. an idea. Yes. So uh, I would say like right after game seven, which I had, I knew after game six that the Leafs were probably going to lose that game because once you have the momentum in a series, it's very difficult to shake. And the Canadians, they, they had a lot of uh, what I would call juju going on that year. And uh, it really started in that series against the Leafs. But after, you know, 48 hours uh, went by and I saw so many people, you know, from the likes of guys like obviously Steve Dangle and so many many Leafs fans just giving their two cents about what had just happened. For somebody who has already written two books uh, prior about, you know, the pain of being a fan of a certain team, I said, you know, I haven't touched hockey yet. And what better team to uh, talk about than the team with the longest cup drought uh, in NHL history at the moment, and that is the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I said, this is a perfect book. This is a perfect uh 
it's a perfect you know uh, time to do it because you look at what happened this past year, up three games to one, blowing that series, and you know being knocked out in the first round, still haven't been able to you know. Um, win a playoff series in so long. And I said, I, I got to do more research on this team and see how bad is it really? How bad has it really been in the last, you know, over you know half a century uh, since the last time the Leafs uh, lifted Lord Stanley's Cup? And uh, yeah, um, and then you fast forward to a couple weeks ago, back on October 7th of this year to be exact, I published my third book, my first hockey book titled Maple Leafs to Maple Laughs, the torture and heartbreak of being a Leafs fan. And it was, it was awesome. (laughs) Uh, Nothing in there that uh, would interest a Habs fan. (laughs) Would there be the torture (laughs) and the heartbreak of being a Leafs fan? Uh, Of course, that's, uh, we don't like to celebrate uh, the, the pain of, of other French or maybe, maybe we do. Um, (laughs) But you're, you, as you said, this is your third book. You, you wrote about the pain of being, uh, an NFL New York Jets fan, uh, mm-hmm. the the mess of the uh, the uh, New York Mets, and yep. now um, the the heartbreak of being a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. So for Habs fans uh, who might be interested in giving it a read, tell tell us mm-hmm. a, a little bit about uh, what what we might uh, see, uh, what we might read in uh, in what you've been able to find out about being a Leafs fan uh, in <laughs> over these long torturous years. So when you read the book, the way that I have it actually scripted is that uh, the title chapters are actually, you know, game one, game two, game three. What I decided to do was I would write a little bit of a paragraph or two describing each of the games from last year's first round matchup between the Maple Leafs and the Canadians. And I would write, you know, it starts off with a couple paragraphs talking about the game that happened. And then right after that, it leads into, you know, part of the history. Uh, and it starts with, you know, how the Maple Leafs became you know, the Maple Leafs and a flagship franchise to when they started to have their problems, uh, particularly when Harold Ballard kind of took over uh, in Toronto. And I call it the curse of how Harold Ballard. And I think uh, a lot of Maple Leafs fans would actually probably agree with me. And you can see as the book, as you continue to read the book, you start to see things piling on top of one another, all of the frustrating, confusing aggravating situations, whether it's, you know, personnel like the players, coaching staff, uh, you know, things that happen with the ownership. And you could see it building up, especially once you get to game five and you see that the, the, the Habs are coming back in the series. Things are falling apart. And then as you're reading the book, things are falling apart more and more in Maple Leafs history. And then it just all comes together. In that game seven where the Maple Leafs just are lifeless and the Habs have just grabbed them by the throat and just have them on life support. And then the franchise's history is on life support with how things had gone down uh, up until that point. And especially over the last 20 years with how many times the Maple Leafs have made the playoffs and haven't even gotten out of the first round. And so if you're... If you're, you know, specifically a fan of any other team, and obviously the Canadians is a really good example, you'll really enjoy this book because you'll get to see really how difficult it has been in the history of this team since 1967, talking about the Maple Leafs, uh, 
you just see how much they've had to go through. And it can be very funny for a lot of people. And that's why I titled it Maple Leafs to Maple Laughs, because for a lot of people, obviously not uh, Maple Leafs fans, it's supposed to be, you know, funny. And I kind of rubbed some salt in the wound because if you buy the book um, on paperback on Amazon, it's for the price of 1967. And I think you can kind of figure <laughs> out why I chose that price. And uh, yeah, that's that's basically the main description of what you're getting with this book. You're really going to learn just how painful, how much torture and heartbreak this fan base has dealt with since the last time they won the Stanley Cup. Well, and particularly because of the expectations, obviously there was high expectations, not only with the fans uh, this past year, uh, mm-hmm. but with the team. And and um, uh, for for our listeners, uh, if you haven't had a chance to watch the All or Nothing um, uh, series on, on Amazon Prime, um, it's, 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 yes, it's about the Toronto Maple Leafs, but it's, uh, highly worth your time to go through mm-hmm. those five episodes and you can see, uh, the, the Leafs definitely had expectations to go pretty yeah. far in, in the playoffs. And you mentioned that game mm-hmm. seven, it was, uh, uh, Jack Campbell called it his the worst goal he's given up in his career. That was the Brendan yep. Gallagher goal, and you saw the whole team kind of deflate after that, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and it and it almost seemed like the, that it was a a destiny kind of thing, and that Carey Price was going to carry uh, the the uh, Canadians uh, past their their long rivals, the, <laughs> the Toronto Maple Leafs, on to the next round, which. They indeed did. Um, it was a nice tie-in, uh, I, I guess, your book with that that uh, Amazon series that came out uh, in mm-hmm. the fall. Yeah, I mean, um, when you look at Game 7, I think a lot of people, including the Maple Leafs players, knew that this was that that they they were probably in very big trouble because they saw how they had they had, had a three one lead that was vanquished and all of a sudden the ghosts of playoff past were coming back again and everybody's panicking in Toronto saying uh oh here we go again and I think it was just too overwhelming for that team and the 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 Canadians looked at it in Game Seven and said. Honestly, we really have nothing to lose. Yeah, if we lose, we get knocked out of the first round. But nobody even expects us to be in this position right now. I mean, there were people that said that they didn't even think the the, the Canadians were going to win one game in that series against Toronto. And they came back from down 3-1. And once the, the Habs took the one nothing lead, the game was basically over by that point. There was... There was really no chance that the Maple Leafs were going to be able to gain the momentum and gain the emotion to get back in this game. And even with them finally being allowed to have some capacity of fans, it didn't make much of a difference. And you talked about the all or nothing series. I mean, yeah, it really worked out for me because my book comes out and then like basically like a day or two after that, the uh, the all or nothing series comes out and it really worked well. And that was kind of... That was kind of my hope as I was putting this book together that I could get it around the same time so that, you know, it kind of just works in, you know, seamlessly with everything. And, and so far I've gotten some, some really solid reviews from it. Um, and I really appreciate a lot of people taking the time to read it and check out the book. And that all or nothing series was phenomenal. I felt like the Maple Leafs, considering what happened, it was the perfect drama. It was the perfect. Uh, team at that time to look at and I'm hoping that Amazon continues to do this because I know they do it with soccer and uh, they've done it with the NFL a couple of times I'm hoping that they keep doing this because you know we I don't feel like 
we at times get enough of that behind the scenes look that raw thing and really what amazon does you know th there's no filter they really mm -hmm. just allow you to hear every authentic thing from the language from everything and i think it's very i think it's a it was a very nice touch on uh, and, and having the book be out at the same time just kind of helped uh help myself and uh continue to uh get that whole message out there when it comes to basically just talking about the Leafs. Well, listen, if you're a hockey fan uh, of all hockey and, and you're looking for a fun read, uh, the paperback's called Maple Leafs to Maple Laughs, The Torture and Heartbreak of Being a Maple Leafs Fan. You can find it on Amazon. You can even find a Kindle version there. Uh, Neil, tell uh, the folks where uh, they can find you on, on Twitter. Absolutely. So you could follow me on, you can follow the Devil State of Mind podcast on Twitter at Devil State. Uh, we also have an Instagram at Devil State of Mind and you can like us on Facebook as well. Devil State of Mind. We post new episodes every Monday and Thursday. I do game recaps, breaking news, rumors, prospect updates, everything. It is the number one place to get everything you need to know about your New Jersey Devils. And then for me personally, you can follow me on my personal Twitter at T-H-E- N of VP SHOW. And I also my personal Instagram at NVP QB11. And like Rick mentioned before, you can go check out Maple Leafs to Maple Laughs on Amazon for the price of 1967. And also check out JETS Pain, 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 which talks about the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan. And also Meet the Mets Mess, the R E G R E T S of New York Town, which talks about the regrets of being a Mets fan. Both of those books for the price of 1969 and if you're a Jets or Mets fan you probably know why I chose that price so that is where you can find all of my stuff and uh Rick thank you so much for having me on today man this was this was great yeah a lot of fun to have you on we'll have you back on again and and maybe we'll talk about the Devils next time absolutely and hopefully uh hopefully both teams can, uh are in a better position uh by that time it ain't easy being a Leafs fan, is it? No, it isn't. <laughs> it's and, not. And, and he's, yeah, he's first and foremost a, a Jersey Devils fan and, and expert on that. But uh, once that, he was watching the, uh, the, the series, he was watching the, the Leafs go up 3-1. Uh, and then their collapse and and uh, felt he just had to say something about that. And uh, so has written kind of a fun book, or at least for um, for Canadians fans, it might be a fun read. That's that is very true. Uh, thanks to Neil for for coming on and joining Canadians Connection. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to him again soon. Uh, as far as the Canadians go, they've got three games on the slate for this coming week. One last home game uh, where the, they will host Detroit at the Bell Center tonight, Saturday night. Before they head out on a Western road trip, they'll be facing off against the Seattle Kraken on Tuesday night uh, and heading to San Jose to rematch against the Sharks on Thursday. So you'll want to be sure you're bookmarking allhabs.net for your game previews and game recaps for each of those. Follow all at allhabs on Twitter for live in-game tweets, particularly for those late night games that you might not be able to stay up for. Uh, and then, of course, Rick, next Saturday, I get the privilege of being back with you on the show again for the next episode of the Canadians Connection next Saturday, October 30th. But put the coffee on. We're going to get up early. Set the alarm clock. Yeah, yeah uh, for sure. The Habs, uh, both of their games next Saturday and Sunday are 1 o'clock Pacific time, 4 o'clock Eastern time. So to get you ready for that, the show will still appear on Saturday, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to drop into your timeline a little earlier than usual. So be sure you're looking for it. Uh, with that, 
We covered a lot. We did. And we can hope beyond hopes that next Saturday we get to talk about some wins. For sure. <laughs> so keep in mind, text us if you're feeling frustrated or you're celebrating a win at all this week. Be sure to text us at 5853-ROCKET on the Rocket Sports text line. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, bookmark the websites, and just thank you for listening. We'll get you through it. We're all getting through this together. And uh, we are so glad that you uh, are here with us again today. So we will see you back here again next week for another great episode of the Canadians Connection podcast right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs>